chapter number two. That's where we're going to be, and I'm looking forward to diving into this this morning, Luke chapter number two, so you can find your way over to there. Now, for those of you that don't know, I am confident that I won the ugliest sweater competition. Uh, I know online you may not be able to see this. I should get a little bit closer, but it says, let her rip tater chip. And that is often said by somebody in our church that we would all recognize. And if you didn't know who it was, I have pictures of him all across the front and the top and the bottom here. And so if you, uh, if you haven't seen that yet, it's uh, some nice pictures of Isaac. And after the service, uh, you can sure check those out and you will agree with me that it is by far the ugliest, ugliest shirt you have ever seen in your entire life. And uh, you can come and, and check that out. Anna may disagree, but for everybody else, we're all on the same page, all right? And so, and after the service, we'll auction the shirt up uh, for uh, whoever wants to pay the most money, and I will be glad uh, to give it to you, uh, and uh, we'll, we'll make that happen, all right? So, but uh, looking forward, and I'm sure Anna will probably give by far the most money, because she would love to wear pictures of her husband um, every day and remind her, not just during Christmas, but every day of the year. Luke chapter number two is where we're going to be this morning, and I thought the best way to do this, we'll just start out by reading the whole story of Christmas. So stick with me. We're going to look at about 20 verses here, and we're just going to walk through them real quick, and then we'll go back through and we're going to preach through uh, some reactions. We've been going through this series, this Christmas reactions. We've looked at, looked at different people in the story of Christmas and the reactions to the birth of Christ. We're going to do that again this morning. But as we get started, turn over to Luke chapter number 2, and we're going to begin reading in verse number 1, and we'll look through these first 20 verses. The Bible says this, And it came to pass in those days... That there went a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. This taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own country. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth and to Judea and to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. To be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. She brought forth her firstborn son. And wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. When they had seen it, they made no abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen. And it was told as it was told unto them. Let's pray this morning, and then we're going to look at one more reaction to Christmas in this series that we've been looking at over these past few weeks. And I believe this one's going to be a good one that we're going to enjoy this morning. Let's pray together and ask for the Lord's help. Father, thank you for this time that you've given us, for us to be able to open your word together on this Christmas day. 
And God, we're thankful for what this day represents. We're thankful, Lord, for your birth and, and thankful, Lord, for the promise of, of a Savior who came and, and was born as a baby, laid in a manger, and grew, Lord, into the man that we come know as, as Jesus, who never sinned and, and gave his life as a sacrifice on the cross, Lord. That's what today is all about. And so today I pray that we lift up the name of Jesus. I pray that everything that's said and done would bring you honor and glory, Lord, and, and I pray, God, that... As we look at your word that you touch each and every heart in this room, I pray, God, that even on Christmas Day, maybe somebody's tuning in online, maybe somebody's watching in the service this morning, but I pray, God, that if somebody doesn't know you as their Savior, that today, Lord, as we celebrate Christ's birth, Lord, that they would come to you as their Savior. And Lord, those that have accepted you, I pray that today they would be challenged by your word in a new and fresh way. Thank you, God, for what you're going to do. I look forward to your working, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, last week we, we looked at one of the forgotten characters in the Christmas story. We, we went a little, little bit further there in Luke chapter number 2 when we find our way to, to, to one of these, these characters that, that we don't hear much about, this man by the name of Simeon. And we talked about him and what a great example and reputation he had and, and what an incredible message that he carried about the coming Messiah and, and Christ dying on the cross. And it was a wonderful thing. But while, while Simeon is one that, that is often forgotten... The ones we're going to look at today are ones that are, are staples in the Christmas story. In fact, you won't find a nativity scene where these guys aren't included in the story. It's, it's no doubt some of the most famous ones in the Christmas story. It's, it's the story of the shepherds and their response to Jesus' birth. They're the staple at the nativity scene. They're, they're, they're always there. You always see them. Why? Because they were the first ones to hear about the birth of Jesus Christ after He was born. As a child, I can remember... The, some of the plays that I got to do whenever I was a kid, and maybe one of these years we'll do uh, a Christmas play and the kids will get to, to, to be a part of it. And, and of course you'd have the Mary and, and the Joseph, and, and, and you would have the, the, the little plastic baby in the, in the manger, and, and then you'd have, uh, of course, the shepherds. And I was never quite qualified enough to be a shepherd, so I was a sheep, you know, and, uh, and you know, and, and you'd walk in, bad, 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 you know, you, know, you walk in and, and, and you had the shepherds and you had the sheep and, and we just, we didn't really care about what the Bible actually said. So you had the wise men there at the birth scene and everything. And, and you know, we had, we had the whole, the whole manger scene all put together there and, and to the, but, the, but I mean, the shepherds. I mean, they were kind of like the cool ones. I mean, like nobody wanted to be Mary and Joseph because Mary and Joseph just, they just sat there with the, with a the plastic baby. You know, and nobody wanted to be the sheep because that was humiliating. You know, I, I can tell you, I'm still scarred from it, okay? Everybody wanted to be the shepherds. Why? Because you got to hold this big stick that you could hit other people with, you know? And uh, I mean, that, that, was, that was the key. That was the cool one to be. Everybody wanted to be the shepherds. The very first people outside of the immediate family of Jesus to learn of Christ's birth. And that's an extraordinary thing. Because you understand the angels that came and told them the, the message that we're going to look at this morning, they could have appeared to anyone. You know that? They could have appeared to royalty. The kings and the queens, they could have came and appeared to, to Herod if they wanted to. They, they could have appeared to the political class of that day and, and who knows what that might have done. They certainly could have appeared to the priests and to the religious crowd who may have had some sway in the community, they, they certainly could have done that as well, but they didn't. 
No, the angels, they appeared to shepherds. You know, the shepherds, they were considered some of the lowest class of society. If you couldn't do anything else, you would resort yourself to being a shepherd. Oftentimes, many of the people that would be criminalized or have a criminal background, would be, uh, they wouldn't be able to find a job anywhere else, so they would become shepherds. They were looked down upon. In fact, they were considered to be dishonest and unclean according to the standard of the law, so much so that they weren't even allowed to be a witness in a trial in the court of law because they couldn't be trusted. And yet, on this star-filled night in Bethlehem, it was to these humbled shepherds in a field, taking care of their sheep, that the message of Christ's birth was proclaimed. What a stunning scene. We can imagine it was probably just like any night. You understand that the shepherds, they were not Bible scholars. They weren't looking to the stars like the wise men were. They had no recollection that that Jesus was coming. They, They had no idea. It was just another night out there attending to their sheep, taking care of their job. They were just punching the time clock just like they did every night. And it's interesting that such lowly people would be put over such an important job. While normally shepherding Sheep wouldn't be seen as important. These shepherds in Bethlehem didn't just watch over any sheep. You see, some shepherds could watch over a flock of sheep and it didn't really matter. But the shepherds specifically in Bethlehem had a very important job because the sheep that they watched over would be the sheep that would be used to have their sacrificial lambs that would be used to sacrifice there in Jerusalem. So these weren't just any sheep, they weren't just any shepherds. While yes, they were still some of the lowest of society, they did have an important job. They, they were, they were the, the, the scum of society, and yet here they were taking care of the very sacrificial sheep that would be offered for the sins of the people there in Bethlehem and in Jerusalem. This night, though, would forever change their lives. You see, the Bible tells us in verse number 9, before them appeared an angel of the Lord. It says this, And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. Now, we don't know which angel this was. I kind of think that maybe it was Gabriel. He was the messenger angel, and and, uh, he was the one that went to Elizabeth and and, and told her that she was going to have a baby, and and the one that appeared to John, and and, uh, he was the one that that appeared to to Mary and, and, and told her about, about Jesus' birth. And so maybe it was Gabriel that, that appeared to, to these shepherds. We don't know for sure, but we do know this. It was, it was just a single angel. That's what the Bible says. It was an angel that appeared to them. And I've always pictured this scene as this great, vast array of angels. But no, it was, it was just this one angel that showed up. And I've always pictured it as, as this angel that appeared you know, in, in, flying high in the sky, right? I mean, this is the way that, that we always picture it. But the Bible doesn't say anything about an angel appearing in the sky. It just says that he just showed up. I can kind of imagine that here these shepherds are out there doing their job just like they were every night. You know, they're just, you know... We have this idea that angels, I mean, the Bible doesn't necessarily say that, that these type of angels had wings. Maybe they did. I, I don't know. But 
It kind of seems like they're just out there just taking care of the sheep. They got their staff. They're talking about the day. Maybe talking about what they're going to do tomorrow. Maybe they're talking about the politics of the day. I mean, the leader that's in charge. They couldn't stand him. He was getting old. Probably losing his mind a little bit. I don't know if that sounds familiar or not. But they were out there. You know, they're talking about the... I mean, it's just, I mean, just at the water cooler. You know, just talking with one another. And all of a sudden, they look over. And this guy's standing there. He wasn't there just a second ago. And there's a bright light shining around him. And the Bible sums it up by saying, they were sore afraid. Okay? I love the Bible because sometimes, I mean, it, it doesn't go into vast, great detail about what happens here, but you can imagine what this was like. There they are. They're sitting in there talking about the politics of the day, talking about things that are going on, and, you know, joking around. And all of a sudden, they look over, and here's this guy standing there with the light shining around him. And they were sore afraid. You know, no, no. Oh! I mean, like, it's, I mean, like, they were terrified. Whoa! Whoa! Who is that? What are, who are you? I mean, like, they were scared to death. That's what the Bible says. And so he, he tries to calm them down a little bit. And, and he gives them the announcement for the very first time. In verse number 10. The angel said to them, fear not. I love it. Guys, calm down. It's okay. I mean, like you can see, they're like crawling away on the ground. I mean, they're just, whoa. Fear not. For unto you, or excuse me, fear, fear not, and the angel answered to them, fear not. Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, Savior which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Can you imagine trying to process what's happening here? I mean, like two seconds ago, you were just standing there talking about the events of the day. And all of a sudden, this guy appears with a light shining around him. Who You're still putting the pieces together. This guy's an angel. And he looks at you and he says, listen, I've got great news. And this news, I love this, it's to all people. For unto you is born this day. The city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And he says this, and this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Here the outcasts of society are told by this angel. The people that are considered the scum of the earth, considered dishonest and unclean, They don't get told good news on a normal day. But on this day, the angel tells them, I've got good news for all people. I've got good news for you. What is that news? That there is a Savior, Christ the Lord, that has just been born. Wow. Again, these guys weren't the religious scholars of the day. They, they probably didn't know all that was going on. They didn't know everything that was written in the Old Testament at this point in time. But you can imagine as they're there that day, they're, I mean, their minds are blown. A Savior? Somebody that came? For me? Who would want me? Nobody wants me. Nobody wants anything to do with me. 
these come from me? And then he tops it off, saying that they could find him in Bethlehem, wrapped in swaddling clothes, and I love this, lying in a manger. The song was so appropriate this morning, I I didn't know they were going to sing it about the manger, but what an important characteristic of the birth of Christ, what an important plot point in the, the birth of Christ, the manger. You understand that the manger, Jesus was laid in a, in a manger. It could have been for any multitude of reasons. We know one is, no doubt it revealed His humility. Jesus Christ, who was humble, born in flesh, the one who could have been born in a palace, chose to be born in a stable and laid in a manger. Oh, it revealed His humility. It's more than likely that, that this manger, and, and we have this beautiful picture, and it sounds great in the song, so we'll stick with the, the wood one, but it's, it's, it's more than likely that it was probably a stone manger. Oftentimes there in the Middle East, in fact, as they excavate and things like that, they, they find mangers uh, quite often over there, and, and, and whenever they find a manger, I mean, obviously the wood's rotted away, so, so I mean, there's no doubt probably wood's mangers that, they, that isn't there anymore, but oftentimes they will find stone mangers, rocks that have been hewn out that were used to feed the animals. It would have been common in that day. A stone manger would have been a place of safety and protection for baby Jesus. And so no wonder he was laid in a manger. There's no no limit to the reasons he was laid in a manger. But I think one of the reasons that Luke draws attention to while he was laid in a manger. And in fact, Luke's the only one that tells us this account. Luke's the only one that tells us about the shepherds. He's the only one that makes any mention of a manger. I think one of the main reasons that Christ was laid in a manger because it was something that the shepherds would have easily recognized. No doubt they had spent many a night pillowing their heads in the straw of a stable. No doubt they'd spent many times pouring feed into one of these mangers for animals to eat. And now the God of the universe, the Savior of the world, their Savior, was being born... But it wasn't in a palace. No, it was in a manger. I don't think that the shepherds would have been comfortable going into a place of royalty. A place where they were despised, rejected, that nobody wanted anything to do with them. It would have been difficult for them to find their way even into a normal house of someone. But to enter into a stable. And find Jesus in a manger, that was a place that was accessible even to the worst and the lowest of society. As I was considering what message that I was going to preach this morning and praying through different reactions of Scripture, I almost, I almost settled on the reaction of Christ. I think it's an incredible thing as we think about what Christ must have thought coming to this earth and, and being laid in a manger. And there's a lot of places that we could go to to think about the birth of Christ. But I don't know if there's any of them that, that are more clearly and more powerfully said than when Paul says it in Philippians chapter number 2. In verse number 5 he says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. This is what he was thinking. Who being in the form of God... 
thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but what did he do? He made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and listen, was made in the likeness of men. He was born as a baby. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. I love it. What did Christ think? He had no reputation. He was a servant in the likeness and fashion of man. And he humbled himself, the Bible says. You see, not everyone could come into the presence of a king on a throne. But anyone could enter into a stable and make their way to a manger. Make their way to a feeding trough. You know, in John chapter number 4, Jesus told His disciples, I must needs go through Samaria. They didn't understand why, and in fact, they didn't want anything to do with Samaria. The Samaritans, and and we know the story of the good Samaritan. Uh, The Samaritans were, again, considered the, the disgust of society by the Jews. The Jews wanted nothing to do with Samaria or the Samaritans. In fact, the quickest road from one side of of, of Israel to the other side of Israel was to go right through Samaria. Uh, But the Jews wouldn't do it. They would make their way all the way around, take the big loop around, so they didn't have to drive through Samaria. I said drive through Samaria. They didn't have to walk through Samaria. Maybe they drove on their chariots. They have to go through Samaria. And Jesus says we must needs go through Samaria. We got there to, to, to Samaria and, and the disciples went off doing their, their thing. And Jesus finds his way over to a well. And it's about the middle of the day. Imagine about this time the heat's beating down. It's hot. And Jesus is weary, he's tired from from the journey. He was a man after all. While a sinless man, he was a man. He was tired, he was weary. He sat down there next to the well. You know, Jesus could have sat anywhere in Samaria. He could have went anywhere. Could have found his way into a house. He could have found his way under a palm tree maybe or or found some shade. He could have have went anywhere, but, but he found his way next to a well. He sat there. I wonder why. Well, lo and behold, walking towards him was this lady. And I can, you can almost see her, this, this woman. We don't know her name. She's just known as the woman at the well. We'll call her, I don't know, Susan. I don't know. No, okay. The, the woman at the well. She's making her way there to, to get some water. It was unusual. Why would she come in the middle of the day like that? Normally, they come in the morning. That's whenever everybody would come when it was cool and, and it wasn't so hot. They could come and, and, they, and they wouldn't have to break as much of a sweat to get the water. But this woman was coming in the middle of the day when no one was supposed to be at the well. See, this woman was known as not the best of society, I guess you could say. The Bible says that. Jesus later reveals that she had had five husbands. The man she was with wasn't her husband at that time. She, she had a reputation. And the Bible tells us that as she approached, I kind of get the idea that as she walked over, she, she saw this man sitting there and thought, great. Try to come in the middle of the day so nobody's here and here's this guy here. And she probably circled around to the other side of the well and, and, and got over there and, and was getting ready to, to draw some water when Jesus looked over at her and said, give me to drink. And I kind of think she kind of looked around for a second like, who's he talking to? She must have known somehow that he was a Jew. 
The Bible tells us that the woman, she, she looks at, at Jesus and, and she says to him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me? Which am a woman of Samaria. For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritan. Who are you talking to? Because you can't be talking to me. And Jesus goes on to tell her in verse number 10, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith unto thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. He goes on to say unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water right here shall thirst again, but whoso drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water I shall give him shall be a a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And before that woman left the well that day, she had drunk of that living water. Thank God that Jesus came to a well. Because this woman, she probably wouldn't have felt comfortable walking into a palace. But she could make her way to a well in the middle of the day. In a few hours, the sky would turn black. The crowds had gathered around, most of whom were cheering for His death. And Christ was hanging there on the cross. On one side of him was a thief who mocked him. Who in a few short hours would open his eyes in the torments of an eternity in hell. But on the other side was another thief. Justly and righteously condemned. Who also mocked him at first. But at some point something changed. Now, instead of crying out in mockery, he cries out in dependence. In Luke 23, 42, Luke records for us that he said to Jesus, Lord, what was he doing? He was recognizing who Jesus was. Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. He wasn't recognizing that Christ was going to have some earthly kingdom because Christ was crucified on the cross and there's no getting down from there. He knew Jesus was who He said He was. And while at first He mocked Him, something came along and He said, Holy smokes, this guy really is who He said He was. Will you remember me, Lord, when you come into your kingdom? You know, if it had been any other day, that thief would have died on that cross without any hope. But Jesus allowed Himself to be crucified on that day. So when that thief called out to Him, He could reply, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. You know, that thief couldn't go anywhere. And so Christ, in His sovereign, incredible way, came to Him and was nailed on a cross next to Him so that He could come to Christ. The only way and the only place that he could. You know, it's the wonderful truth of Christ in Christmas. That he came in a humble manner. Was laid in a humble manger. So that all could come to him. 
And it doesn't matter if you're the lowest outcast of society, like the shepherds, you can come to Jesus. And it doesn't matter if you have a past that is full of disgust and frustration, like the woman at the well, you can come to Jesus. And it doesn't matter if you've been labeled with a label like the thief on the cross. You can come to Jesus. You understand the two most recognizable locations in all of Christ's life are unquestionably the manger and the cross. We sing about one, we talk about one on one day of the year, oh, and we spend a lot of time talking about the other on another day of the year. While they are very different, there is one way that they are very much the same. They were both easily accessible. Anyone could go there. See, you could find your way right to that manger. People could find their way right to the foot of the cross. Today, friend, maybe you're in the service, maybe you're watching online, can I tell you, you can find your way to the manger and see the humble Christ born there before you. He accepts and He receives everyone. And you can see Christ in His humility coming to earth as the King in that stable, lying in that manger. And you can find your way to the foot of the cross today. You can see Him hanging there for you and for your sins and for my sins. Romans 5.8 But God commendeth His love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And He did so. So that Romans chapter number 10, verse 13 would say, For Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Because the angel told those shepherds, I've got good news for all people. And I've got good news for you. What is found in the humble manger of Christ so much hope. And no matter who you are or what you've done, Jesus makes it so that anyone can come to Him and accept the greatest gift ever offered, the gift of eternal life, wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. The shepherd's night wasn't incredible enough already. Suddenly, a multitude of angels appeared and in unison they proclaimed verse number 14. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Then the Bible says the angels disappeared. I, mean, I don't know how exactly this was. I don't know if they're sitting there looking. They're, they're kind of blinded by the light, and all of a sudden they're just gone. And the shepherds are just like, I mean, can you imagine? I don't know how long this, this interaction lasted. I mean, we can read the verses in just a couple of seconds. It doesn't take us very long. I mean, I kind of get the idea that it was like 15, 20 seconds, and then boom, they're gone. And the shepherds are there like, whoa, dude, was there something in our tea? I mean, like, what's going on here? What did I eat for dinner? This is crazy. I can't believe this happened. They begin to look at each other's and at each other, and they're rubbing their eyes, maybe. And, and finally, they discuss what they should do with what just happened. Verse number 15, the Bible says, And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. They came with haste, found Mary and Joseph and the babe, 
lying in a manger. They made their way into Bethlehem. They found that stable where baby Jesus was laying, just like they were told, lying in that manger. Now think with me for a second. Can you imagine what must have been going through Mary and Joseph's mind? (laughs) Here's a bunch of strange guys. Outcasts of society. Coming into the birth room. Maybe just a few hours later. Mary and Joseph. We just saw a bunch of angels. (laughs) It's no wonder verse number 18 Tells us, and they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherd. Um, huh? <laughs> if you ever had a baby before in the hospital, you probably can sympathize with Mary a little bit. I remember whenever we had, had our kids in the hospital, after you have a baby, you're exhausted. I mean, like, men, you understand what I'm talking about. You're tired, all right? I mean, it's just, it's exhausting. And all you want to do is sleep, all right? You know, you're just, you're just so tired from the labor and, and everything that's gone on. The, the ladies are tired too, but I mean, you're just, you're just tired and you just want to sleep. And, and you know, it's like every 10 seconds, somebody's knocking on the door, right? I mean, the middle of the night and the nurse comes in and he's checking on you and it's just like, please go away. I don't know who you are, but leave, okay? You know, I don't want to talk to you. Can you imagine? Mary just delivered baby Jesus. Now, I mean, it was baby Jesus, so I can't imagine it was a very easy deliver, delivery. I mean, like some of you, you know, easy birth. I mean, it was just, it was just simple and easy. And, and uh, you know, and there's, there was the baby. And, and, I mean, I don't know if that's how it worked or not. But, but I kind of imagine she was probably tired. Maybe a little bit grouchy. I don't know. And all of a sudden, there's a knock. And Joseph walks over and opens the door. And here's the outcasts of society. I mean, you can imagine, these shepherds, they didn't look like put together. They weren't wearing nice sweaters like me, okay? I mean, like, they, they were rough-looking guys. And they come in, and they're like, we got to tell you something. This was unbelievable. And Mary's like, shh, shh, he's sleeping. Just got him to bed. Be quiet. we got to tell you what happened. This was unbelievable. We're out in the, we're out in the field, and all of a sudden, this guy shows up. We were scared to death. We didn't know what was going on. And then then he looks at us and he's like, listen, I've got great news to tell you. Don't be afraid. Listen, there's a baby that's born in Bethlehem and he's laying in a manger. And listen, he's the Savior. It was unbelievable. And Mary and Joseph are just like, yeah, we know this, but who are you again? I mean, like, this is is unbelievable. Can you imagine a bunch of angels? Or a bunch of, a bunch of these uh, crazy guys, I mean, showing up and telling you about a bunch of messages that you heard for some, from some angels. I mean, in the hospital room. I mean, like, you'd, get out of here. Who are you? When it was all said and done, the shepherds left. And we find the reaction in verse number 20. And this is what I want us to leave us with today. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. You know what's awesome? These crummy, good-for-nothing, dishonest society scum were the very first 
New Testament evangelists. They were the very first ones to give the message of a, of a Savior that was born. I mean, who was going to listen to them? They were the outcast, the unclean, the dishonest. They were the shepherd. Who was going to listen to their message? Well, you did this morning. <laughs> you know, the truth is, I don't think they were concerned with if someone was going to listen. They were just consumed with telling the story. They just wanted to praise and glorify God, and maybe someone along the way would accept what they were telling them. Friend, if you do know Christ as your Savior, you've experienced the greatest miracle ever offered. You've opened the greatest gift that could ever be given. And when you were a kid and you got a gift, you couldn't wait to tell everyone about the gifts that you got. Can I ask you, who did you talk to this year about the greatest gift you ever received? Maybe we've forgotten what Matthew 28 verses 18 through 20 tells us. Before Jesus ascended into heaven, He looked and He said, and He spoke to them, All power is given to me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. You see, you don't have to know all the verses. The shepherds didn't. You don't have to know everything and have it all memorized. But you can tell your story. That's what the shepherds did. And maybe you think no one will listen. But your job isn't to make them listen. Your job and my job is to tell the story about the Savior. It was a snowy day there in Indiana. Middle winter, I think it was around January or so, but it wasn't just any other day. I remember I was sitting there in the classroom in, in, in my school, in high school, it was the last period, but I, that day, normally as, you're, as a high schooler, you're just waiting and waiting for that last bell to ring so you can get out and go home. I mean, you're just done, right? But that day I wasn't wait, waiting for the bell. No, that day I was waiting for something else. I was sitting there in my seat, just waiting, I mean, anticipation. The teacher had already taught. We were sitting there in the class doing different things, getting ready. I already had my stuff put together, packed up. I was ready to go. When the phone rang in the classroom, the teacher picked it up. I knew exactly who it was for. She hung it up and she said, Kyle, can you make your way to the office? It wasn't because I was in trouble, okay? That's not what it was. I wasn't excited about that. I, I knew it was coming. I, I made my way to the office, and, and, and I remember uh, seeing the, the person there at the, the front desk, and they said, your dad's here to pick you up, and I was so excited. I went out, and, and I found my way out there, and I climbed into my, my dad's car. Now, it's cool enough on a normal day whenever your dad comes and picks you up from school. I mean, like, it didn't matter. I mean, when you got to leave early, and your, your dad, I mean, like, that's, that's cool, all right? Uh, that, that, that was the thing, and so... I remember I made my way out there, got in the car, but this day I was especially excited because I knew where he was taking us. My aunt had, had been given an opportunity by someone that 
she had a contact with to go to a closed practice at Indiana University in Assembly Hall for the IU basketball team. But my aunt wasn't a basketball person. She could care less about sports. She told him, she said, I've got a couple nephews that I think would really be interested in that. Would it be okay if they went in my place? And they said, yes. And this was the day. I remember the excitement. I mean, the closed practices. Nobody was allowed in. No reporters. No people. No, I mean, nobody. It was just the coach, the team. That was it. Nobody was allowed in. And then there was this chaplain guy that was allowed in there as well. That was it. I was so excited. We rode over there, my dad, myself, and my brother. We got there to, I remember as we pulled up there into this, the parking lot of Assembly Hall. I'd never seen it. There was no cars in the parking lot. It was unbelievable. We pulled right up to the very front and we parked the car. I mean, I remember, I was ecstatic. We were so close. I remember getting out of the car and, and we're making our way over, trying not to slip as we make our way. Walked up to the door and there's about 20, 30 doors on the front of that building. I remember walking up. I mean, this was assembly hall. This was the place. And we went over. And I remember we grabbed the first door and we pulled and uh, It was locked. So we went to the next door and we pulled on it. It was locked. So we went to the next door and we pulled on it. And it was locked. So we went to the next. And you get the picture, okay? We made our way through every one of those 20, 30 doors. We pulled on every single one of them. And they were all locked. Disappointment began to wash over me. I was crushed. At that moment, I was about to become a Purdue fan. And that's disgusting. (laughs) And just when all hope was lost, all of a sudden, one of those doors somewhere in the middle opened up. Now, on the other side was that chaplain who was a friend of my aunt. He opened that door up. And he said, are you the Gil Straps? He said, yeah. He said, come on in. I can still remember the sound of the door closing behind me. Smelling that breath, that that, that smell of victory in assembly hall. (laughs) You know, we, we tried every way to get in on our own. We could have tried to break down the doors. I don't think we could have done it. We could have thrown rocks at it. I don't think it would have broke the windows. We had to have somebody... Open that door for us. You know, friend, you've got the greatest message ever been given. The greatest gift ever. Jesus Christ came to this earth, was laid in a manger. Why? So that one day He could die for you and for me. And our job isn't to get them saved. You know what our our, our job is? It's, It's open the door for people. Hey, listen, I know you're not here to see me, but let me, let me take you to the one that you do want to see. This morning, do you see the Christmas reaction of the shepherds? They returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told Unto them. They found out that anyone can come to the manger and they couldn't help but tell everyone about it. They discovered the answer and then they told everyone. 
And if you have found that anyone can come to the cross, because the truth is none of us deserved it. But Jesus Christ and God was so good to give away so that we could come to the Lord. Someone opened that door for us so that we could come to a Savior. Maybe it was a preacher. Maybe it was a family member. Maybe it was a friend. Maybe it was just somebody that handed you an invitation to church. But somebody opened that door for you. Listen, friend, if you've accepted that, maybe it'd be a good time to start getting busy telling everybody about it. I wonder who you could open the door for this week. Maybe you went through the entire 2022 year and you never once told anybody about Christ. Listen, friend, this is the last service of 2022. Maybe you need to make a covenant and a commitment with God. God, I know I didn't do it in 2022. But God, in 2023, one of my goals, and I'm asking you to help me, is I want to open the door for some people. Not so they can see me, that's not what matters. But so they can see that Savior who came to earth, was laid in a manger, and one day was hung on a cross for my sins and for yours. What a blessing it is to be like the shepherds and declare who it is that we have found. Let's have heads bowed and eyes closed as we finish the service.